Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to figure out your life after college? Maybe you are slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you are finally getting around to editing your resume, or maybe you are just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at the next big family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your post-grad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and so much more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth, and I am your host. And on this show, I often have conversations with like-minded individuals, whether they are founders of businesses or they're just they're the top in their own career segment, or even some of my closest friends. Oftentimes, these conversations just revolve around something within life fulfillment. So that could be your career, it could be about relationships, it could be just about adapting to a new chapter in life, mental health, etc. So that is the gist of this show. If you are new here, but if you're not, welcome back and thank you for always tuning in. Today's episode is also with a Emily. Her name is Emily Hess and a little bit about her. Emily is a brand builder, entrepreneur, and designer currently based in Byron Bay, Australia. Her career has taken her from fashion styling in New York City to starting a remote marketing agency and moving across the world with the love of her life. Coming back to her fashion roots, she is designing a sustainable fashion line that produces zero fabric waste in the making of each piece, all of which we dive into a little bit of just kind of her experience and her journey along the way, but I thought I would share a fun fact about how I came across Emily and how I kind of got in contact with her. So back in October, a mutual friend of ours, Brie Byler, who was actually on this podcast previously, I forget what episode number at the top of my head, but she had come on to talk about just her experience working, you know, in government agency, her experience in international affairs, and just kind of that scope of work, which personally I have to say is very different and a little bit out of my comfort zone in terms of lack of knowledge and expertise. But um, Brie is a mutual friend of ours because all of us, all three of us, we are from a small town in Pennsylvania known as Lancaster, which is, I guess, rather the broader uh, county or city, town, whatever of um, where we're from. But when Brie and I were heading down to Washington, D.C. just for like a weekend trip back in October, uh, Brie was telling me about Emily because she's like, 
You know, there's someone that reminds me of you. Her name is also Emily, and we just were chatting about kind of what Emily does and obviously the similarities and whatnot. And so from there, I was like, okay, I feel like Emily is such a great fit for this show. She obviously has a very unique life experience, I think, from, you know, graduating high school practically early and then not even going the traditional route of college, which I would say that is especially from our hometown i i personally think it's kind of pushed on us at a traditional like i don't know i don't know how to explain it but i would just say like where we are from i would argue that most of the time parents want you to do the safest route possible which is obviously college and getting a job and whatnot and emily just simply didn't do many traditional uh or conventional options i guess and i think that's what i love about her story is that you know from high school you know she she worked full time and then she also ended up in new york city like i mentioned earlier and then she actually ended up marrying her high school sweetheart i think when she was 20 i forget the exact age but we did talk about that in this episode so i think a lot of it is again very unconventional from a lot of young woman our age in their early 20s and like I always try to do on the show is just showing you guys different perspectives from people with different experiences and walks of life and I think Emily is such an awesome you know role model of someone that's been able to really just do it all and figure it out on her own and with that even with no college degree being from a small town like where we are from and so now she's in Australia so it was really fun uh, connecting with her and recording this remotely obviously and in, in, in different time zones so that's just a little bit about Emily I think this episode is very helpful and valuable for everyone regardless of whether you want to start your own business or you know even want to be in a similar industry i think she just has various um, unique traits within her story so with that being said i am going to get right into today's conversation all right emily thank you so much for joining me today first and foremost i want to ask how are you and how have you been doing since the beginning of this pandemic. I feel like that question is so pertinent, you know, to everything that's been going on and um, especially with this crazy year. Yeah. Thank you for asking. I'm doing very well um, currently. Um, I just moved to a new area. So I'm now living in Byron Bay, Australia, but I moved to Australia right before the pandemic hit which was really interesting. <laughs> when I talk to Australians about it, they say, oh, wow, you're so lucky that you made it out. <laughs> because in Australia, it's been like really a low number of cases and it's been pretty safe here. Um, and not like everyday life hasn't really changed at all as far as like um, Melbourne was the only city that was majorly hit. But since Australia is kind of an island and a fairly small population compared to other countries, um, they shut their borders pretty early. So we weren't majorly affected as far as like our everyday living. Um, it's actually almost weird for me to see like watching news in the States and seeing people wearing masks and everything like that. It just feels like I'm watching a movie <laughs> because I'm so like far removed from it. Um, yeah, so it's been really a weird year to like watch what's going on from afar and then like be 
I was pretty minimally affected in my everyday living, but I also have a business that's based in the States. So business-wise was majorly affected by the pandemic. Right, right. Wow, I didn't know. So is it like, is our mask not as mandated in Australia? Yeah. Um, so the only time that I've really seen people wearing masks would be in the busy areas of the city when I lived in Sydney. Um, you would sometimes see people wearing masks, but it wasn't at all mandatory. It was just like um, optional. And then the other time that I that I experienced, like most people wearing masks was when I was flying between Sydney and Byron. And then people would wear masks on the plane. But again, it was optional. So yeah, it's been really weird just to, like I said, it really feels like I'm just like watching a movie when I see the news going on in the States. Yeah, that's super interesting. I actually had no idea that was the case. Funny enough, considering I have family in Australia, I just kind of assumed the whole world was like wearing masks as well. And I honestly would say I I think most people think that as well. So I, I like that you bring that up that it does show kind of like, really how each, you know, country and, you know, area of the world is really dealing with it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think definitely Europe, because all the countries are right next to each other, they were impacted Mm -hmm. way more than Australia. Australia just kind of got um, the tail end of it. (laughs) Like not too, we didn't get hit too bad here. It's been kind of like protected because it's so far away from everything. Yeah, wow. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad that, you know, your everyday life hasn't been too majorly affected, but I'm super excited to dive into your business and of course just more about you. So, let's just, you know, start with your story and background. I'm definitely excited to hear a little bit about your Pennsylvania upbringing since we talked yeah. about it earlier. <laughs> we're both from there and it's so funny how we're of course not in that small town um of ours anymore, but yeah, let's just share about your background, where you're from, how you kind of got into this industry and so forth? So when I was in high school, that's sort of where my career path started. Um, Up until my senior year, I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And it was like, it made me kind of panicked. (laughs) Um, And I knew it was just like grew up knowing I was an artist, I guess, and didn't know how that could manifest as a career. And growing up in a small town too, it's, you're kind of given your, your list of career options. And if you don't really fit into any of those typical trades and categories, you feel a little bit lost. Um, So that was kind of where I was at. I was like, my dad had always told me, you like, you're an artist and you're really talented and you're good at what you do. You just need to know how to make money off of it. (laughs) So he was like, you should go to business school. My dad always told me, you should go to business school. Um, so that in my senior year, I had figured out, just because this is how my brain works, I like added up all my credits from four years and I was like, well, I could graduate early. Like, why would I continue to take all these courses if I have enough credits to graduate? And so I brought that to the guidance counselor and was like, So why would I sit through a full day of school this whole year if it doesn't count for anything? That sounds like a waste of my time. (laughs) And they were like, well, with the school that I went to, they were like, you can't graduate early. So I kind of figured out a loophole and was like, 
um, can I job shadow? Or I, I wanted to do an internship, but they were like, well, we can call it job shadowing and then you could do that. <laughs> so my senior year, I found a creative uh, photography studio and I reached out to them via email and just asked if they would do an internship and they got back to me and said they actually were offering internships that year. So I went to high school half day and then I went to the photography studio and that really opened me up to the world of branding and photography and photo styling. Um, and I really got passionate about working with business owners and hearing their vision for their company and then kind of figuring out what the path is to, um, to get their business to where they want it to be and just kind of to make their business more appealing and more like tell more of their story. And I just loved photo styling and doing brand photography. Um, and telling a story through photography. So I kind of got into like commercial photography, I guess you would say, but I was really into the styling aspect of it and kind of doing prop styling and things like that. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of my career journey. And then I moved to New York because I met um, the head stylist of American Eagle. Um, so I had reached out to her and asked her actually if I could job shadow her. And she said that she needed to hire someone full time. And I later found out that was because she was pregnant. So she needed basically just like a hands-on um, like kind of assistant, but just somebody that she, she couldn't do all of the heavy lifting literally <laughs> that you have to do in fashion. So she had... Um, she asked me, she was like, I need to hire someone full-time actually. And at the time I was living in Pennsylvania. So she said, would you move to New York? And um, right when I, the second I read that email, I was like, I'm moving to New York. And I, I brought it up to my parents. I'm like, I, and I was dating at the time with my now husband. And pretty much I brought it to them just, you know, like playing it cool. Like, what do you think? But I already in my head was like, I'm moving to New York. <laughs> and I... I pretty much told her right away, like, let's do it. And um, I found an apartment and moved like three weeks later. <laughs> um, so I just dove straight into um, the New York lifestyle and working in fashion and somehow made it to this kind of like corporate career that I, I was 19 at the time. So I had no idea what I walked into. <laughs> it was quite a life-changing experience I guess um so yeah that was kind of you have any questions about that part that was a lot in one <laughs> section but that was sort of where my career started I love that okay yes I do have quite a few questions off of that so was this right after so you said you were 19 so I'm assuming did you like you did you didn't like go to like a community college or any college like right after school right like you I'm assuming you had your own thing or or was it just that you were 19 once you graduated already so I was 18 when I graduated I spent six months then in Europe oh okay and so I took six months off of working and 
um, with that photography studio that I worked at, I worked out a deal with them where I was like, I could stay and just dive right in after graduating and work for you full time. Or I also kind of have a dream of going to Europe for six months and mm -hmm. just like getting out of my bubble because I had never been to Europe at that point and hadn't traveled too far out of the United States. It was kind of just like to the islands and things like that. But um, yeah, so my boss was like, she really saw a value in traveling and expanding herself. So she was like, go for it. Like we're kind of going into slow season anyways. So just I'll like, well, this job will still be here when you get back pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, I think it will like time out perfectly that you'll come back during when business is picking up again. And she was like, you can just start as um, the stylist at the photography studio when you get back. So that I sort of did right out of high school, like went to Europe six months, then worked at the photography studio for about six months. And then that was when the job opportunity came up to move to New York wow okay and then you so this was in like the city right for when you moved to New York or was this outside of the city yeah I was working have you been to Macy's in New York 34th yes yes I have yeah the huge <laughs> one um yeah so I was working on 34th street like right next to Macy's it was there's an American Eagle store and then the corporate offices are like on the top floor uh, above the store yeah so yeah there's like a little side entrance and like you wouldn't even know it's there but <laughs> there's so a corporate crazy. office on the top like three floors of that building did your parents initially disagree with that idea especially because you were so young and you know you were just kind of going straight into working and you know now obviously like the biggest city ever so was there any disagreement or was it kind of like a smooth sailing like all right mm -hmm. I'm going to New York <laughs> The funny thing is, I almost feel like I shut out, <laughs> this is terrible, uh -huh. but I almost shut out their opinion because I was so sad on it. Like, I I think there was a little bit of resistance from them, and I think it probably just came from wanting to, like, protect me and mm. make sure that, um, I mean, at 19, I had, like, very few life experiences to even, like, support me moving to New York, you know? I was, mm -hmm. like, didn't really know what I was diving into, so I'm sure they were a bit, like, afraid. Um, but I don't remember a ton of like, there was no like, like fighting over it. It was just kind of like, I think my parents had ever since I was young, they had always said that I'm very strong willed and like, I'll do the opposite of what people tell me to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think they just knew with my personality, they're like, we can try to fight her on this, but it's not going to do anything. So they were like, okay, like as long as you can find an apartment they just kind of let me go wow okay that's super like you know it's really good because I think a lot of people um or at least some people I've come across I think have you know had not maybe not necessarily disagreement but you know resistance from like parents or just like mentors or who are uh you know thinking oh that's just too big of a jump for you and that's why I was asking because you know there's so many people yeah. with various aspirations and I think it's so important to hear that that you know you can really jump and you know do anything as soon as you want as early as 19 like you did yeah definitely I mean from my experience I've always felt that when like I'm always putting myself in situations that I'm not prepared for but those are all the always the times where your brain just switches into a different mode and it's like we've got to figure this out 
and you learn so much and you're just like, I don't know, like you're vibrating really high in this time <laughs> because your, your, your mind is just like, you know, it, everything is unknown and you just have to be really switched on. Right. So yeah, those are the times that like, that's why I am where I am in my life and like, just not even like success, but like where I am in development is because I put myself in, in situations that I wasn't prepared for. Right. Right. And so, okay. So then how many years were you there for before you, I guess, shifted into starting your own creative marketing agency or was there even something in between um, those two jobs? Yes. So I actually was only in New York for one year. Okay. And then moved home to get married. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of interesting. And like, I still look back at that and I'm like, did I cut it too short? Um, but also then there's so much like that happened until where I am now that I'm, I now see it's like, no, it's like a certain number of months sometimes it's just like what you need to grow and then there's something else that needs to happen and timing is really like everything mm -hmm. <laughs> being at the right place at the right time right um so yeah I ended up my my husband now he really did not want to move to New York and this was our second time doing long distance since I went to Europe after high school so we were kind of at a crossroads in our relationship where it was, um, you know, we weren't, he was like driving up most weekends to see me in New York, but we were just kind of out of alignment and um, like the lifestyles that we lived and wanted. And it kind of got to the point where basically I had a trip actually going to um, Palm Springs for a photo shoot and was there for like three weeks or something. Um, for American Eagle and I remember just like every evening it was just like the most luxurious crazy trip and every evening though I would come back from like all the experiences that I had that day and it was just like things that I never thought I would experience like people ordering a thousand dollar caviar for breakfast and like going out for drinks with all these models and and it was just like very a kind of a glamorous lifestyle that I had never experienced before. I was like, whoa, this is like what people say is in movies, but it's actually real life. <laughs> um, and, but then coming back to my hotel room, I was like, wow, but I'm like still me. And I'm like, nothing about me has changed, even have, being around all this fame and money and everything. And then realizing that everyone that I was with, it was like, they have so much, um, their lives are so like glamorized and they have so much kind of success from the outside, but you could really tell from talking to all of them, like they were just really lonely. Mm. Um, and I just had like a really like perspective, a huge perspective shift on that trip where I really felt like I had this like A or B choice of like stick with your career and you're gonna have this glamorous life and it's gonna look really shiny from the outside or you might not have as much like shiny glamorous um like career success but you would be happy like just having you 
and the one you love like by your side. Um, kind of, I just felt like I had a big decision. So that was kind of where I was like, you know what, what do I want from my life? Do I want it to be spent like 80 years being lonely or do I want to spend 80 years with someone I really love? And that was when I just decided, I think I, I just wanted to choose the relationship at that point. So that's kind of where the crosswords were that I moved home from New York and decided to get married. Mm. Do you think, like, I guess let me rephrase that. Do you think there is a way for you to have been able to do both in a sense? I mean, like, for example, Mm -hmm. like, do you think, because I think, especially living in Los Angeles as well, myself, I obviously see a lot of that glam and glitz and whatnot. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. I, I really do. And obviously, you know, both of us coming from small town Pennsylvania, you know, it's it's a whole different lifestyle and world out there. And I think, um, especially for, for my experience, it's uh, definitely has kept me grounded and very humble in, in where I grew up. Um, but do you feel like there's a way to combine both where you kind of get the best of both worlds where you are able mm-hmm. to maintain that relationship but still I guess I mean not externally look like you're having a successful life but actually having that successful life that maybe as a by as a byproduct it does come with a little bit of glitz and glam do you feel like that was a mm-hmm. practical route for you or do you feel like it was really a hardcore one or two Yeah, no, I totally get you. Um, I think it's very situational. I think 100% you can have both. And I think like you have always known kind of since I left New York, it's like, I know I will have career success again, like what that felt like, um, kind of being at the top. I don't know how else to say um, that. Like, I know that that's in my future again. But um, at the time, and this is where it's like, it's so hard to explain, but this is why it's situational is there's like timing in my life has really panned out to be like really important. So um, it was almost like I had to, I jumped to the top and then had to like take a few steps back, break it down, get a little bit more of a firm foundation built. And now I'm like rebuilding again but a little bit more in a more conscious way and more like, um, more grounded, I guess. So yeah, for me, it was like, at that time, really this, the relationship was kind of hinging on if I was going to move home or not, because Mm -hmm. my boyfriend then and now husband was like, this is just kind of going on for too long and we're like it's it's almost we need to just figure out which direction we're going in um like are we going to are we going to kind of make some adjustments and sacrifices in order to um like let our relationship grow or should we just like split ways Mm. Um, because at that point it was kind of like it wasn't growing and it was really it was really hard to do long distance we were we spent more time apart during our time dating than we did together. Um, as far as like months that I was living in other places. Um, and yeah, we both were on the same page that we're like, we can see 
a future together and we didn't know what that future looked like. We just could see that like we worked really well together. Mm. And so that's kind of where it was situational that I knew I really wanted to be with him. And at the time he really wanted to start out our lives together, living um, in the town that we grew up in. He just really wanted to, I mean, his perspective has changed so much though. It's really, really interesting because um, kind of where I was at at that point of wanting to just like travel the world and I just didn't have a lot of like ties. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I needed to live somewhere for out of security or um, anything like that. And his perspective has changed a lot now that he's, we're like really in alignment with what we want for our lives. Um, but yeah, we kind of, in some ways he wanted to live somewhere familiar to him mm. when we got married so that he he felt like that could build a firm foundation for our marriage because it was like a familiar environment but then we could like really focus on our relationship um and in some ways like it did actually build a strong foundation that now with us like moving across the world we had that really firm foundation so I mean, props to him. I think it did work, but <laughs> I was very resistant to the idea. <laughs> right. And I definitely do want to dive into, honestly, like a little bit about your relationship progress um, later on, because I do think, like I said earlier, it's always such a important, you know, piece to be able to see like a whole, you know, scope of a person. But you, so then, okay. So then you moved back from New York though, and then you got married. And then was that around the time you started your creative marketing agency or um, were you also picking up other work at that time? When I first moved back, it was funny. I actually, the day I was moving home, I posted an Instagram. Um, This was before stories were even a thing. So I posted an Instagram post and (laughs) said that I was like, goodbye, New York. Like, closing this chapter kind of Instagram post Mm -hmm. and somebody texted me. I don't even know how they had my number. (laughs) And it was, um, an owner of a a clothing company and it was back in my hometown and they were like, Hey, so you're moving home. Um, can you come in Monday for an interview? And I got this text while I was in the car driving home from New York, (laughs) moving home. Um, So I went in like a day later (laughs) for an interview (laughs) and got the job as uh, their content creator. So that I had a job like the day I moved home pretty much from New York, Um, which now I'm like, why didn't I just give myself a week, just a week to like figure out where I was and settle in again. (laughs) But um, yeah, it was very like fast paced everything in my life. Um, so I jumped into a job being a content creator, um, and honestly kind of burnt myself out during that season working for that company. It was pretty full on and I, I, I was just kind of going at my New Yorker pace with Mm -hmm. it too. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy season and then getting engaged during that same time that I worked for them. And then had a three-month engagement so (laughs) it was kind of just a very fast-paced year um but after we got married then um there were a few times where I was just I was really burnt out from that job and it was just not a great working environment um 
and ended up, I'm like not a crier, but was like breaking down in tears on Sunday nights a few times being like, I just don't want to go to work tomorrow. Mm. And that was kind of when my husband was like, I think you need to make a change. And I was like, you know what? I've said for so long that I wanted to um, have my own company someday. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked my dad, cause he was a business, he is a business owner. Um, so I asked for his advice and he was like, you know, the economy is really healthy right now and booming. He was like, I think you can go for it. Like, can you match your current salary? And I was like, yeah, I think I could. And so he was like, then what do you have to lose? (laughs) So that was, um, about, let's see, we, we got married in August and then in March was when I started my creative marketing agency. Wow. Okay. And how old were you at this time? I would have been 20 then. Yeah. Wow. Super young. Okay. So take (laughs) us through how like the first six months went with starting out, you know, how did you get clients? How did you, you know, build a website? How did you just figure out like the whole business aspect? I'm sure, you know, your dad might've given you some advice, but I know at 20, most people, especially if they're listening right now are like, oh my gosh, like I, you know, I'm struggling in college and struggling to figure out what I want to do, let alone start a company and quit my job. So how was that experience Mm -hmm. for you? I'm sure that really, propelled you and kind of put you in a in a more advanced spot as well yeah I looking back now I was completely blindsided (laughs) I was just doing one foot in front of the other like um every day was just like okay what what tasks are on my list today like and then I would just think about like what could I do and then whatever would come to mind I was like okay I should build a website today okay I need to register my company today. Um, I need to set up a business banking account. I need, it was just, you know, like I didn't see the full picture. I just was like, okay, I need to do this step and this step and this step. And it just kept propelling me forward and kind of gave me my momentum. So it got me to the point then where, um, I really started doing, I was, I started the company doing mostly photography and videography coming from a content creator, it like transitioned over to that pretty easily. And I had already had some clients on the side that became more like full-time clients. Mm. Um, So that's sort of what transitioned me over. And then since I had such a love for branding and also a background from when I worked in the marketing team at American Eagle, I had a lot of marketing, um, like a, a huge passion for marketing, I guess. So Um, I was building a few like brands for clients and um, creating logos for them. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, like the best, I wouldn't hire myself as the graphic designer because I'm Mm. just okay. And I was like, I'm going to find like a graphic designer that I'm obsessed with their work, like kind of like hire an artist that I'm like, like they're the artist that would hang their artwork all over my house. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that kind of idea was like, I have to be obsessed with them. (laughs) So I found um, someone in Canada um, that was a graphic designer, was obsessed with her work. She was also really young. And I was like, can you, um, can I sub out some logos to you? So that was sort of the beginning of it going from myself to being more of a company. Um, 
And that's where it just like kept rippling. Clients then would ask for something else. And I would be like, well, I could do that, but I'm not the best at it. So like, who's the best at that? And then I would like bring on that person. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what grew my team. And it was just really like one day at a time. Like I, I definitely was not qualified to like start my own business, but I did it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You just don't know everything from the beginning that you're signing up for, but I, I like the quote that everything is figure outable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can always figure anything out. Right. <laughs> Google is great. <laughs> you have friends, you know, somebody will help you. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, so how long did it end up taking you then uh, from when you initially started to actually, I guess, making or matching that salary that uh, from the job that you left? Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, my, I didn't have a hefty salary to match, so it wasn't that difficult. <laughs> but it was only, I was actually only about a month oh, wow. um, that I was able to match that salary. But that was just through photography, like photography, doing commercial photography was kind of my bread and butter. And I think it made my clients feel really secure that I also understood branding and I understood social media. So it was more than me just taking a photo of their product. They were like, you can actually position our product and style it in a way that is appealing to our audience. Um, And at that time too, a lot of business owners were um, a lot of people are actually like outsourcing their social media. They were like getting fed up with running it on the, on their own. Cause they realized it's like a full-time job and then they were outsourcing it. So I got a couple of clients, um, kind of on like a weekly retainer to do social photography for, um, but yeah, pretty much photography was my bread and butter starting out. Wow. Okay. That is super just inspiring. Honestly, I got a lot of inspiration from that, but, and then, okay. So then you hired a graphic designer and then obviously other people that you found were experts in that specific, you know, expertise, whether that was graphic design or, you know, website building and so forth. So how did you continue to build out your team then? And, you know, pretty much like, did you hire them all on your own? Are they, did you make them like 1099 employees, W2 employees? And again, like you're 20 years old at this Mm -hmm. time too. So was there any, or I guess, was there at any point, did you feel like people didn't, you know, trust you as much or believe in you as much? Because I'm sure, you know, at that age, some people might, maybe sometimes have doubts just for the sake of age but obviously we all know that's like not necessarily true but how did you overcome any of those kind of obstacles with being so young and um on top of that too um just not having a college degree necessarily but having a lot of experience to back yourself up did you deal with any Mm -hmm. obstacles of that nature yeah definitely um Hmm. Yeah, there were definitely, I can think of like two situations where I knew the client was looking at me being like, <laughs> you're really young. Like literally I would get that sometimes like people right. would be like, you're really young, but you're really talented or you're a really mm-hmm. good fit for what we need. So they were like, it doesn't matter to me, um, which was really encouraging. And uh, yeah. And then there were also situations where, you know, people were like, you could definitely feel that um, some men in business coming from a small town (laughs) kind of, um, yeah, are more condescending towards women that um, 
hold more of like a CEO position and kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, you're doing business business and um, yeah, definitely felt that sort of, um, I don't know, doubt coming from a few male business owners. Actually, I would say more being a woman Mm. was more of a challenge than being young. Interesting. Um, Just, I think because of being in a small town and not, yeah, just men, not, it's so different than being in New York and (laughs) LA where it's just like girl bosses everywhere, you know, Mm -hmm. like when you come in with that, like very business, um, you're very business minded and you just kind of have that, um, that strength and like energy to you. A lot of men kind of saw me as it just threw them off guard. I would put it that way, but they did, they were like, wait, I'm used to women kind of, I'm used to kind of like stepping all over women and, you know, (laughs) it's fine. And I'm just like, I'm pretty like firm and, you know, yeah, it just puts people off guard. Um, Yeah. So actually I didn't get a ton of like, you're really young. I got it a few times, but um, actually a lot of times the young thing was more of an encouragement. Like, wow, Mm -hmm. you're really young. You're doing like really well for yourself. Like you're really, you hold yourself really well. I think that's everything too, is like the way that you hold yourself. Most of the time people didn't know how old I was like being in New York, um, in a corporate career at 19, I really had to get good at pretending I was 30, you know? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> Once you kind of get used to how to hold yourself that way, mm-hmm. um, nobody really thinks about age. It's more like what you tell yourself in your head that you're like, Oh, they know I'm young. They know I'm underqualified. And really, if you just kind of believe in yourself and at least, you know, there, there's room for both. So it's like, I was really doubting myself most of the time and like afraid and before going into meetings and things like that. But I was just like, you know, switch it on, switch on that business mode, switch on that confidence. And, um, people, I mean, they just believe what you tell them. (laughs) If you like present yourself very confident and, um, you know, like with the confidence of a 30 year old, then they're, they won't question how old you are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such good advice. I think, especially for this podcast, there are a lot of young females that listen to this. And I think especially with just our our society today and culture today, you know, some people still face that age discrimination, if you will. And of course, you know, fem- being female as well. But I love hearing that story from you, hearing you be able to overcome that. And just like you said, it's, it's about what you tell yourself. And if you just hold yourself in a certain way and bring that confidence out, I think a lot of people will, you know, put that, I guess, discrimination or whatever thoughts they they prejudice they have of like a young 20 year old making their own way I think they'll put that aside yeah and also like I mean young people going into the career world like you know things about current like present day marketing that people in their 30s and 40s don't get so Mm -hmm. you have a huge advantage like understanding um social media marketing and just that it clicks in your brain because you grew up around it. Most people in their 30s and 40s and 50s are a little bit lost because it's just a foreign way of communicating, whereas you just kind of get it when you're younger. So you actually have 
knowledge just by the generation that you are, <laughs> mm-hmm. that you can, you can always add value. Um, so yeah, if you're going into marketing and you know, you're, you can actually educate somebody that has had a business for 30 years. You can educate them on social media and just how to do present day marketing because you're marketed to every day. You, you hold knowledge just because you're living in current day society and your own Instagram, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> exactly. No, that's so funny that you bring that up because that's my mindset entirely about a lot of just, you know, what a lot of us younger people are doing today. And especially when I explain it to my parents and, you know, the way we grew up in our small town, it's like a lot of them often kind of question at first, like, do you really know what you're doing? But then I explain to them, we are the future generation. We are the ones that grew up with social media and technology. And it's actually time that we educate the older generation on how to understand kind of the language that is spoken today and and the thought process of how Gen Z and millennials are thinking of careers and opportunities in today's world, really. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. Because we, we just get it. So it yeah, you always have value to add to somebody else that's somewhere hidden inside of you from your own experience. I do want to dive a little bit into your clothing line, though. I did see that you started a clothing line. It's called Her. Is that right? H-E-R? Yep. Yep. Her the label. I love that. Where did the inspiration for this come from? And was this recent or did you start this kind of, um, you know, in previous years? Yeah, super recent. Um, I'm actually still in the sampling process right now. So um, it's not on the market yet, but I've just been building some content. I built the website for it and I have all of my samples um, like all ready to go. I just am waiting on production now. Um, So I actually started this during the pandemic (laughs) because my business slowed down a lot. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I guess just there was a little bit, it was like partially, I don't know. I'm sure everyone's experience was so different going into the pandemic, but my experience was just everything got really quiet in the world. And anytime things get really quiet in my environment, I just come up with ideas like ideas just like are a download. They just come to me. Um, So I felt like everybody was just kind of freaking out, staying home. And I was like, the world is really quiet right now. And I kind of just was like, okay, this is a time in my life that I might never have again to really dig into something. And I just, my whole life I grew up wanting to have a clothing line someday I always was sketching clothing when I was like three years old and like it's hilarious we had like a farm show in our town and everybody would like paint a picture of a fish or something like very common for a child and I would submit my fashion designs to the farm show (laughs) and I think the judges were like we don't get it I would never want a ribbon or anything Um, but I had always wanted to be a fashion designer and have my own clothing line. So I was like, well, I have this a little bit of extra time and like nobody's really like hanging out much because everybody's just told to stay home. So I was like, maybe I'll just start working on it and see where it leads me. Um, so yeah, it kind of just came from me like brainstorming what the brand would be about, kind of what the story would be 
um, who would manufacture it, how we would manufacture, what materials I would use, what purpose it would serve in someone's everyday life. And that's what led me to her the label. <laughs> so yeah, I just came up with the idea for a minimalist kind of, it's almost like a capsule wardrobe um, of knitwear. And the unique thing about it is that the pieces come out in one whole garment from the machine rather than being cut and, cut and sewn together. Mm. So therefore there's no fabric wasted in the process of making the pieces. Um, so I loved like being able to say like my fashion is truly zero waste because that's like um, not really, this machinery is very rare. It's a Japanese, um, it's Japanese made technology and there are very few people in the world that know how to run the machinery. So um, I just kind of became passionate about this like way of making clothes and then thought like I just need to design something that somebody can wear every day um, in their everyday actions of going to um, Pilates and then, you know, like grabbing a coffee with a friend and then going to their office or even like if you're working from home and have a Zoom call, but you want to look put together and still be comfy. Um, I wanted something that could transition throughout your day really easily mm -hmm. so that it wasn't like this really expensive knitwear piece because the way I'm manufacturing it, it has to be a higher price point. Um, it's pretty expensive to construct the piece. But I was like, you know, if it's a really well-made piece, it's made from Italian wool. And um, if you take care of it properly, it will last you like a lifetime. And then having the pieces be able to transition from activity to activity and be able to um, layer them and then like take off one piece and put on a different piece, but kind of mismatch them throughout your day. Um, that was kind of the vision for the line. Wow. How did you know how and where to source, you know, the manufacturer and, and just even just the whole base basis of the research? Like, did you do the sketches yourself or what was kind of like that early process like? Yeah. So again, it was just one step at a time. It was like Googling um, sustainable manufacturers in Australia, ethical mm -hmm. manufacturing in Australia. I looked into manufacturers in New Zealand and Bali, um, some in Japan, and then really it was just like weighing out the pros and cons of every option. So um, I was like, well, I love being able to say that it's made in Australia. Um, I feel a special connection to Australia, even if I don't live here forever, that I still would love my brand to be actually made here. Um, and then you don't have a language barrier. So like Japan would be really cool, but it wouldn't be as easy to visit there. Um, I wanted somebody that I could easily fly to when I need to, you know, if I just need to like bang out a week of work um, to do, to launch a collection that I could actually just like fly there and actually be able to speak to them. Um, and then, yeah, I just wanted to, um, let's see what else. So yeah, I guess that's kind of what led me to my, um, to knowing that I wanted my manufacturer to be in Australia. But then it really narrowed it down when I found this machinery and became obsessed with it because there's there not many options of who you can have to manufacture it at that point. Um, but 
yeah, it was, I kind of had two options of who I could go with. And it was really just like reaching out to people and then just seeing like, do I feel right about like our correspondence? Cause that's important to me too. It's like something I've learned through having a business is any like, and it's with relationships too, any like red flags that come up in the beginning, mm-hmm. you can kind of be like, well, like it's going to get better. And just think, you know, <laughs> as time goes on, but a lot of times it's like those red flags are like a sign that like, it might not be right for that situation. Um, so yeah, I would just kind of see like who gets back to me quickly, who's really good at responding, who seems like they have a, uh, like, um, streamlined process to how they work with clients. Um, yeah. So I kind of look for like very clear communication, uh, a timely response. And then, um, and someone also that has expertise in a way that is almost like fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like they have to know more about knitwear than I do. They have to know more about fashion than I do. They, you know, kind of go for somebody that's even, um, that's kind of fascinating to you and even more like knowledgeable than you are. Right. Wow. And that's awesome that you were thinking of this during COVID. I'm sure a lot of people have recognized that this time has been a very, I guess, very good opportunity for people just to launch something or kind of think creatively outside of the box, especially if the normal conventional job or, you know, obviously both of our businesses uh, as well have slowed down during this pandemic. So um, I'm sure that has, you know, got the juices flowing, but do you have a planned date on when you'd want to launch this brand or label? Yes, I'm hoping to launch um, in February of 2021. The only thing is, uh, at the current moment, <laughs> my husband and I are trying to figure out our visas for next year. Right. Um, so it's a bit hinging on that, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because right now our lives are a little bit like, um, he has a really good opportunity to get a sponsored visa through his job, which would free me up a little bit. But I'm also putting out feelers myself of being like, mm, you know, maybe I would get sponsored through my career. So mm-hmm. um, I'm also like actively applying for jobs. So yeah, it, it hinges on that a little bit. And I've, I always like to like put a goal on something, but not hold so tightly to the outcome of it. So just being like, you know, we're aiming for February. Um, I kind of have like a calendar set up of like when I would have um, the samples finalized when I would start production, when I would shoot the campaign and, um, like what the launch date would be, but I don't hold too tightly to it because you just don't know all the factors like leading up to them. You know, if there's mm-hmm. one thing we learned from 2020, that would be not everything is in your control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, sometimes you just gotta be like, I mean, every, I think everybody just needs to be really present and like what's actually going on around you. What are the actual opportunities at this moment? And, um, that's kind of why I don't hold too tightly to a, a date in, in a few months from now. Cause it's, it's a, it's my, my North star, but it's not like what my, yeah, I don't hinge too much on like my success being 
on that date, if that makes sense. Totally. And that, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously we can't control too much of, you know, timing and and what happens. But um, before we finish things off, I do want to shift gears really quickly into a little bit about your relationship, since I know you touched on about, you know, doing long distance for a little bit. You guys were dating since high school. So um, I definitely know that people would be really curious, how did you make the long distance part work? And then at the same time to kind of going back on how you kind of chose just your focus on the relationship over what people today I think would say like your career and funny enough I would think most people kind of advise on like choosing yourself first and whatnot but I find your approach very obviously non-conventional but definitely worth just to like hear out and understand in case anyone else you know is in that situation at some point and doesn't feel that modern day peer pressure of like, you should focus on yourself, go for your career and go for what's more guaranteed. But you had these gut feelings at a young age. And so I'd love to hear you just kind of explain, you know, what was going through your mind at the time, why you felt confident in going through this approach, and obviously how it's been successful for you today. Yeah, okay, that's a great question. Um, So it really is like, it's so situational because I've seen other people be in a position where I'm like, I don't think that relationship is worth you like giving up your career for, or, um, it's just what you feel in, in your, your own intuition. Um, at the time I almost felt like I sometimes throughout my life feel like I almost have like a flash forward to like the end of my life. It sounds morbid, Mm. but, um, and just kind of checking in at that point, like, what do I want? What do I want at that point for where I am now? (laughs) Um, and I think I just knew I want to feel like I really loved in this lifetime. Like I Mm. really just opened up and was so vulnerable and so like raw with somebody. And I just kind of felt on my heart that that was some. Thing that like my soul needed to accomplish during this lifetime. Um, so I think that's almost where it's like, you can ask so many people's advice for your own um, direction and path, but really you're the only one that knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to, to like, just check in with that small voice in your gut, wherever you like feel it. But, um, and even I think, you know, being able to like visualize years down the road, what do you like really want for your life? What do Mm. you um, kind of just like the, what's the bigger picture? Do you really want, um, I guess too, I knew with my husband, I, there was this weird thing where I saw where he was at that moment, but I just felt like there was this untapped potential in him. Mm. And that really made me confident in marrying him because I just, I almost felt like it was my mission to like bring that out because he was so like, it's just kind of like when something's dusty and you just got to like dust it off. I was Mm. like, he has this layer on him that's just kind of dust and it just needs to be brushed off. And there's something in there that's not really coming out yet. And it was so true. It was like, it, it was almost probably two years of us being married 
that I felt like I was like brushing off the dust that he grew up with, with a lot of like closed mindedness and, Mm. um, and just a lot of like self doubt that he had. And like, he was the youngest in a big family. So he just had everyone else's voices in his head. And I was like, that's not you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I just really felt like I, at that point I needed to choose him and I knew that the rest would work itself out. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it's so no. situational. <laughs> it, it really yeah, is. And and I yeah. wanted to ask too, like, I'm not sure if you had, um, you know, or you heard any opposition on like getting married early, but I was curious, you know, for, for those who have that intuitive feeling as well, but maybe they hear from close friends and friends that they value their opinion on and maybe even parents or relatives hearing them say, hey, so-and-so, you should, you know, maybe not jump too soon, right? But they have that same gut feeling as you did. What is your personal advice to them? And especially because looking back, you, you know, you were at that young age in those shoes, but, you know, whether or not you had, you know, similar people telling you similar things, um, I'm curious, what would your advice be to them? Mm, Yeah. Okay. So two pieces of advice, and it's, it's again, just like, it has to be the right time for you and that person. But first of all, I think you really have to have a sacred space. And it's hard when you're dating, because it's like, you know, if you've, if you've been with that person for two years, you have more of that sacred space where it's like just the two of you and you just you have certain things that are just kept between the two of you. And Mm -hmm. you don't really like seek other like a lot of women, especially kind of like seek their friends like approval of things mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I find like guys don't do that quite as much um yeah their <laughs> approval is more surface level but women are like he said this what do you think of right that? do you exactly. like that? <laughs> and it's so like nitpicky yeah. um which is kind of funny but um I I would just advise like young women kind of in that to really check in like is is it necessary to get your friends' opinions on everything? Because some things do need to be, if you're really like trusting in that relationship and you really have that intuition that it's going to be a long-term commitment, then like there are certain things that just you and your partner need to like hold between the two of you and mm-hmm. and kind of just figuring out like, do your long does your long-term vision align? And that's sort of in that sacred space where it's like, it's just the two of you. Mm-hmm. If you figure out what your dreams are together and like other people don't get it. It doesn't matter. Um, Cause yeah, definitely like when I lived in New York, um, my husband's family was just like, we don't get it. It doesn't look like you guys are going any direction similar. Mm. <laughs> um, like, why are you still together? It looks like Emily's going a different way. And yeah, but we kind of just between the two of us, you know, when it was just the two of us, we were like, but there's something here. And we just felt like there was like, kind of a journey that we were going to go on together. Mm. Um, yeah, but another thing that I think helps to reframe your perspective and figure out the relationship. Um, my husband and I, when we were dating, we took a month break. And we were just like, we pretty much set a date. We were like, okay, like a month from now would be this date until then let's not speak to each other. <laughs> and on that date, we can like text each other and check in and maybe we'll grab coffee and just like 
see where we're at, but we took a little break and I think breaks can be really helpful, especially if you set boundaries around it and you um, kind of put like a, a deadline on it as far as just like, we're not going to interact because it's confusing if you're like, we're taking a break, but then you're still texting them. That's not really a break. Right. Um, <laughs> so just like giving the relationships and space to breathe and to really, and just to take that month to be really, to turn inwards and figure out what, what your intuition is saying again, because sometimes it can get foggy from, you know, like being infatuated or being in love, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it can get a little bit cloudy. So just taking a step back, getting a really clear mind and getting back in touch with your own self. And um, I think that's almost better than asking for advice from other people because it's like you're your intuition is your compass. Other people just, they don't know. If I would have listened to other people, I wouldn't have done anything in my life, you know, because everybody's <laughs> going to, somebody's going to disagree with something that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but just people can't see the full picture. And sometimes you don't see the full picture, but it's just your intuition is like, we need to do this. Wow. That is such good advice. And I, and I think it's very valuable that you said, you know, don't, always seek for other people's advice, especially to, you know, the fellow females out there. I do agree with you. I do think that is definitely a thing, especially for the younger ones, um, myself included. Sometimes I've had my days where I would text a girlfriend saying, hey, like this happened, like, what do you think? And I, and I think it's good to be, you know, reflective and, and introspective on that in realizing like, hey, do we really need to always ask for outside opinion on something that maybe should be held a little bit more sacred. So I think that is such valuable advice, especially in, you know, today's generation. Well, one last question and something I ask every guest on this show, but what ultimately fulfills you in life? I think what fulfills me is it's very simple. It's being present. Um, I think when when we think about our lives as like success and a lot of people think of uh, like taking these boxes and um, reaching a certain point by this month. But um, I lived a lot of my life trying to tick boxes and feel fulfilled by like, I got this and I did that and I lived here and um, just realized, you know, it's like, it's more like the little sprinkles in life. <laughs> like the moments I really remember, like, yeah, I had that really cool, um, like I'm, I have this random memory in my mind, but like I did a really cool campaign shoot when I first started my business for a business in New York and got to stay at this super beautiful hotel. Um, but it's like, it wasn't even doing that job, which I thought that job would fulfill me, but it was actually like the one night that I was like, I was able to bring my husband and we just had a glass of wine, like looking out our window at the Brooklyn Bridge. And it was like those little moments where you're just truly present and you're really grateful and you just feel really like mm. at ease with yourself um, and at ease with where you are those are the moments that are really special. And a lot of times we can kind of rush um, to the next thing. And I was somebody that was like, set a goal. I didn't even care when I achieved it. I was on to the next goal. <laughs> um, but that doesn't fulfill you, even if you're doing a lot of cool things. So being <laughs> present. 
and um, being really like grateful for where you are and being grateful for who you are too. Wow. I love that answer. Where can everyone find you? Share all of your social media platforms and, you know, all of the good links. Awesome. So I am kind of on three places on Instagram. My main (laughs) page is at Emily R. Hess. And then I have Luca Creative Co. That's my creative marketing agency. And then I also have her and then the underscore the label. And that is my fashion line, hopefully launching at the beginning of 2020, 21, 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And I will for sure link all of that in the show notes as well. So they can find you. I love your content. I was able to see it and Brie was showing me when we were in DC as well. So I'm super stoked for everyone to just go find you and check it all out. Thank you. Great. It's been great talking to you. We're very aligned. I (laughs) I agree. It's been a very easy conversation. (laughs) And that was today's episode with Emily Hess. She is the founder and creative director of her own creative marketing agency. And she's also in the process of building out her own sustainable fashion brand. I really enjoyed this conversation, you guys. This one was um, you know, in particular, kind of hit home with me in a sense because she is someone that is from, um, you know, a similar hometown area. Again, our our town is like relatively large in a sense, but very spread out. And for those of you who also grew up in a small town or maybe even still live in a small town right now, I think uh, you guys can probably relate in that sense of being able to make it out in a way. And I think uh, for me, just hearing how much Emily has done with her life and then also just having a very different perspective and, um, you know, has obviously made different choices than what I would say most people I have observed would have done, especially in regards to, you know, prioritizing her relationship, especially at such a young age. And more importantly, being, I would say, very convicted in the way she wanted to live life on her own terms. Like when she went to New York City and obviously going to Australia, um, you know, marrying her husband and, and so forth. And so I think her journey is very unique to reflect on and to kind of think back as to how you can apply similar principles into your own life, especially in regards to doing what you feel is best for you and then also putting yourself in rather uncomfortable situations where you're not fully prepared yet but you put yourself there because then it's going to challenge you it's going to make your mind uh, be more sharp and really try to be on its toes so um, those were my personal takeaways and I hope you guys had one as well and if you did as always please be sure to let me know either dm me on instagram comment on the latest instagram post just let us know what you thought of this episode and of course if you've been a longtime listener or if you're just a fan already I'd love if you could rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It just takes 30 seconds. I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm so excited for the holiday season. And that being said, I will let you guys go, but I will talk to you all next time.